This week's Fiblet is brought to you by the Palmer Cronin Team at Guaranteed Rate. If you're in the market for a home mortgage and want to take advantage of today's low interest rates, you can't go wrong with Chris and Joe of the Palmer Cronin Team at Guaranteed Rate. Make new memories in a home of your own this year. When it comes time to buy, they will make the process as smooth, simple, and hassle-free as possible. Contact Chris and Joe today by clicking on their link at factorfictionpodcast.com. Tell them Laura sent you. Hello there. Welcome to Factor Fiction. I'm your host, Laura, and I'm here today with another fun Fiblet episode. Fiblets are the minisodes where I read you four intriguing news stories from the past. Well, three of them are from the past. One article is my own creation. It's your job to determine if the stories are fact or fiction. So, ready to play? Before I read each story, I'll include its citation information. Of course, the story I concocted has a fictional citation. After I read the four articles, I'll pause to share an advertisement from the era to give you a little time to make your guess. Then I'll come clean. Alrighty, let the games begin. Choice number one. Western criminals brought east from the Chicago Tribune January 2nd, 1894, page 7. Four large omnibuses loaded with the roughest and toughest lot of wild westerners ever seen in the peaceful city of churches were driven up Fulton Street from the ferry today. The occupants were dressed in cowboy clothes of the most approved style. They wore slouch hats, boots reaching to their knees, and loosely buttoned overcoats of all degrees of raggedness. Their long, tawny mustaches gave them all a more or less ferocious aspect. But the men wore neither pistol belts nor pistols, for they were prisoners of the government, bound for the King's County Penitentiary, where they will be confined for periods varying from one to seven years. They were all strongly shackled to each other. The prisoners were all from the Western Territory. Most of them were horse thieves and highwaymen. Five had committed murder. A number who were convicted of smuggling liquor into the Western Territory, in addition to imprisonment, were fined in sums ranging from $50 to $1,000. One boy who wrecked a passenger train was left in Washington to be sent to a reformatory. Choice number two. Robbery on a sleeping car. From the Chicago Tribune, August 30th, 1875. Page 5. A gentleman who arrived in the city of Cincinnati at 8.45 yesterday morning by the Chicago train on the Kankakee route brought the particulars of one of the most successful sleeping car robberies that has ever been perpetrated. Soon after the train left Chicago Wednesday night, two suspicious-looking men came into the sleeping car and made arrangements for half of a section. The gentleman who occupied the other half was not favorably impressed with their appearance, and he informed the conductor that he would not sleep in the same section with them. He was, accordingly, assigned another berth. 
When the passengers began to arise next morning and feel for their pocketbooks, they found to their infinite consternation that a majority of them were missing. While they had been sleeping, the two thieves had improved the time by going through their pockets. One man had his pocketbook taken from the inside pocket of his vest. Another, whose name we could not learn, was relieved of $500 in money. The other amounts that were stolen ranged from $6 upwards, the total being over $1,000. The gentleman who refused to occupy the sections with the thieves was not molested, they doubtless supposing that he suspected their intentions and was on the alert for them. The men got off at Lafayette with their plunder and have probably succeeded in making good their escape. It will not be easy for the authorities to get track of them, under the circumstances. This experience will be a lesson to the unfortunate victims, if not to the general public, to watch well their cash while sleeping on railroad trains. Choice number three. Bank Robbers Foiled From the Chicago Tribune, February 14th, 1875, page three. An attempt was made last night to rob the First National Bank of Chicago on Morgan Street. At 7 o'clock, the bank's vice president, Arthur G. McNabb, was locking the large double doors facing the street when two masked men rushed him and struck him with handbillies. His cries roused the attention of the night watchman, Elmer Kellerman, who was walking his rounds throughout the financial depository, which was a good thing since this alerted the guard to be wary. After the would-be thieves rendered McNabb insensate, they entered the bank prepared to make away with the hard-earned money citizens of this city had entrusted to that venerable institution. Kellerman, the guard, surprised the villains and subdued them when they noticed the revolver he carried. A good Samaritan passing the bank noticed the banker's unconscious body and contacted the authorities who appeared in time to arrest the two criminals. McNabb is expected to make a full recovery. Choice number four. Burglars make a greasy haul from the Interocean on August 7, 1894, page one. This morning, when the owners of the North Aurora Creamery Company opened their factory, they found that over a ton of butter had been stolen and hauled away during the night. The quantity and weight of the butter was such as to invest the burglary with considerable mystery. So those are your choices. While you ponder that, here's a fun ad I found in the June 2nd, 1914 Chicago Examiner. Different. Pepco is totally unlike all other dentifrices. It keeps the mouth wholesome, the breath untainted, and the teeth white and sound. Pepco toothpaste does this so well because it counteracts acid mouth, the cause of 95% of tooth decay. That Pepco does overcome acid mouth, you can easily prove with the acid test papers we send you free with 10-day trial tubes, an interesting and scientific test. It is a distinct and real pleasure to use Pepco, and the way it preserves the teeth and keeps them white is wonderful. 10-day trial tube and acid test papers to test your mouth for acid. Set free, Len and Fink, 120 William Street, New York. Ah, that pesky acid mouth. Hmm, 
As I usually do with these advertisements, I looked a little into the history of Pepco and learned it was sold as both a powder and a cream, originally manufactured by P. Beersdorf and Company of Hamburg, Germany. According to the website cosmeticsandskin.com, quote, in 1903, Len and Fink acquired the license to manuf- manufacture Pepco in the United States using some ingredients imported from Germany. And by 1914, Pepco was one of the best-selling toothpaste brands in America. Unfortunately, when ingredient supplies were cut off during the First World War, the quality of the product suffered. And when combined with the growing animosity to everything German, Pepco's market position began to slip. But don't feel too badly about the firm of Len and Fink. Their most successful product is still around to this day, although Len and Fink Products Corporation was bought by Sterling Drug Incorporated in 1966. Ah, what's the product that's still around? I bet you have a can of it in your home and probably used it a lot recently. It's Lysol. Well, that's your lesson in historical business, and now it's time to reveal the fiction. Was it Western criminals brought east? Robbery on a sleeping car, bank robbers foiled, or burglars make a greasy haul. Drum roll, please. The story I made up is bank robbers foiled. My favorite story today, though, was burglars make a greasy haul. I know it was short, but wow. What did the thieves do with all that butter? Thanks for listening. I'll be back next week with another full-length fact or fiction episode. And until then, listen closely to what you hear because it's tricky to know what's fact or fiction. Goodbye.